You're listening to 50% Facts, the show where we try to answer specific questions on an individual topic, and then at the end, we bring in an expert to give you the real answers. I'm Jim McDonald. And I'm Mike Farr. Welcome to our show. Like no, no, that was for oh, you, dude. Never... It's your solo. You didn't hear on the <laughs> second part. It was your solo. You didn't hear the counting So before? we're going to go and be sharp for yeah. this one. Connor, be to... sharp. Yeah. We're going to go to the relative <laughs> minor after it. Connor does this. That's great. Gotcha. <laughs> it's like, I'm going back to Instagram. Shut up. <laughs> yeah. um, we promised this one would be a quickie. Maybe we, maybe we have a thing that's like a 50% quickie. Hold on. That's what she said. Yeah. Ooh. Yeah. Michael Ooh. Scott. Quickie. Quickie. So we're talking. We don't do quick. We go long and deep. And passionate. That's what I'm Questionable. Said. Look me in the eyes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I totally lost track of what time it was. Anyway, go on. Um, we're going to go at like three topics and just punch them in the teeth like a whack-a-mole. I liked your whack-a-mole reference in mm-hmm. the episodes three months ago. Yep. Spend whack-a-mole. Um, we're talking water weight. Yes. Cutting weight. Yes. Mm-hmm. Let's start with water weight. Maybe quick fire at you just mm-hmm. to start. Uh, water weight definition. So it's actually losing body water. And that's just in our muscles and our skins and our everythings. Yeah, we're we're seventy to eighty percent water, depending on the tissue we're talking about. Um, sometimes more, depending on like certain tissues and body fluids. So it is the loss of your hydration levels to lose weight, typically for athletic performance. And it is separate and distinct from losing adipose tissue, which is fat. Which is fat, which a lot of athletes conflate and causes problems. And maybe even in the public, and that's where I was going to go next. Yes. When we say we're dieting or we're cutting, and now we're saying uh, we're cutting weight, what are we meaning? Yeah, so you, you'll you'll hear them conflate it. And this is where that's a problem. So like people are all looking up to a UFC fighter. He says, yeah, I'm cutting weight for eight weeks. And that actually means a combination of losing fat and then losing a lot of water. And then you hear about what they do, and the public just goes, oh, that's how – Conor McGregor got got because he shredded, shredded and looks sick. So I've got to get in the sauna and also diet. Mm. And when in, in reality, only one of those would make any sense, uh, and it's not the getting yeah. in the sauna. Yeah, it's 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 a uh, temporary state. Correct. Uh, probably shouldn't be even more than uh, a couple hours. It's inherently unhealthy. Yeah, but it's for the specific purpose of maintaining a weight class. Then you can rehydrate and be at heavier weight and fight or lift. Yeah, or wrestle or what have you. Most common weightlifting. Powerlifting, uh, UFC, MMA, boxing, um, and then bodybuilding. Let's throw it in there because I think people talk about it, especially in the natural bodybuilding world, or maybe not. Uh, cutting weight to step on stage. Yeah, so there are weight class divisions in most federations of bodybuilding. Um, bodybuilding is very common practice, although, although it is changing more so in the non-enhanced side of not cutting water and just simply getting really, really lean. And some, like for example. At the show I just did, there was a handful of competitors who were talking about having to limit their water intake, and they were very confused when I was talking about how I'd had, I had, oh, God, I got to get another, about a gallon in, you know, um, actually not that much, uh, and they didn't get it. Yeah. Uh, my belief, not necessarily backed up by any studies, is that because enhanced bodybuilding, competitive bodybuilding was, was big before natural bodybuilding came around, um, Although first natural bodybuilding, then enhanced bodybuilding, then the modern mm. tested purposefully natural bodybuilding was around. And if you, if you look at the evolution of anabolic steroids, they in the beginning, like if you think about what first came out that was widely used in the bodybuilding community, there were oral steroid, steroids like Dianabol and Nilovar in 1956 and 1958 that came out. Those are the ones that were actually pretty effective people started taking. And there weren't a uh, large uptake of a multi- like polypharmacy that you see today where people are trying to mitigate water retention and they're only taking certain less androgenic drugs in competition. They're taking anti-estrogens, they're taking diuretics. None of that was around in the 70s. So, you know, you take Dianabol leading to a competition, 
cutting water might make you look better because yeah. you might be. So I think what happened is the kind of the inherited lore of the early age of drug using bodybuilding was that if you drop water, if you cut water, you look better. And I think that's, that might actually be true in many cases where water, water retention does come from the stress of dieting, but the stress of dieting plus being on super physiological levels of testosterone and therefore estrogen, yeah, no yeah. way to control it and no diuretics means I dehydrated and I looked a lot better. Yeah, or even natural, right? But then you just don't look as full. But like the McGregor thing, you see McGregor or you see some powerlifters and they're, they're two hours before they're weigh-in and they look leaner than they would before. But if they're actually just leaner with less body fat, they'd look fuller and better still. Right. So the question is, is it does it give you the best look? Right. And since muscle is like 70 to 80% water... Much like Mother Earth, which is where I think Omar should take this one. So the answer is don't don't betray nature. Right? Yeah, yeah. Weird. I don't know. Uh, mm, hard, tough. Uh, considering the fact that we found out that the natural order of things, if you ever watch the movie Midsummer, sometimes it doesn't work out for humanity. So should we be supporting nature or should we just uh, bring about climate Burn down? change? You tell me. All right. Yes. All right. Some, Back to water weights. Uh, when? Some na- some nature is nasty. <laughs> There's a big oh, old it. earthquake. Oh, it's freaky. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Real freaking naughty. Uh, when? Who? How? Why? Why? So when, who, how, and why? Great. Should, I can answer all four of those. Should be cutting uh, water weights. Okay. So first, when is it appropriate is when you are within striking distance of making a weight class. And what striking distance is defined by depends on the length of time you have to rehydrate. Yeah. So if you were in, say, an IPF competition or if you were in a uh, weightlifting competition, you've got two hours. The two-hour rule was specifically implemented for athletes' health. Because when you have more time to rehydrate yeah. and you're able to perform, then you will drop more water. And that's very dangerous. We've had we've seen wrestlers die. Right. Mm-hmm. You guys have probably heard horror stories of 24-hour weight cuts of power. Oh, I've seen it. Mm-hmm. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Anyone who was on the forums in the mid-2000s and heard of what, uh, at the time, Kroxaleski was, was was doing to make water weight yeah. and cutting two full weight classes yeah. from 242. That was the first article I read. Yep. How to cut weight. And uh, so so it, it is an inherently dangerous process at a certain stage of of, of uh, of losing water, uh, different performances affected in different ways. Uh, the most common one, it's, and it's true, even though you hear it all the time, uh, if you're down by 2% of water, it negatively affects performance. It's actually a little more nuanced than that. That's more so endurance performance. Once you're down around 3%, now you're looking at potentially affecting skill, cognitive function, anaerobic performance, and strength. Uh, we recently, uh, led by Kedrick Kwan, one of my PhD students, did a survey among world champions, sorry, uh, the competitors at IPF Worlds, and this is just an association, no stats run on this at all, uh, but the people who didn't see or didn't experience a, a negative effect on their performance, it was around like 4% uh, drop in, in, in their body weight. So With a two-hour weigh-in. With a two-hour weigh-in. So if you've got a two-hour weigh-in, which is most of my experience because I work in, in the drug-free world, so that's typically IPF, um, is that if you're more than 5% over your weight class, that's a no-go. You need to either be leaner or you need to consider a different weight class. And the now who? Who is... I think that's a big question. Yeah, a competitor first. More importantly, a high-level competitor to where you're, you're actually now dieting, which is counter to you filling out your frame. Mm-hmm. It is inherently a little bit unhealthy. I'm not too worried about these small percentage cuts we're talking about. But the way to get really strong is to train for many years and move up weight classes, assuming you're not starting you know, you know, with, with obesity or something like that. Um, so kind of being what, what the, not, the, the intermediate trap is what I call it is when you start looking at the Wilkes scores, 
or looking at the IPF points and you're like, oh, well, you know, I have a decent total, but if I was a weight class lower, I could go to nationals. Right. Or you could just train five more years and get stronger, yeah. you know. Or, or actually maybe diet. If, if depending on your body fat and take six months, four months, get yeah. down to the weight class, well, be a little I'm closer. actually saying don't do that until you're until experienced. You're, but I'm saying if yeah. you're older, but I'm saying, yeah, sure. If big, you're a, big Mikey here. Right. If, you, <laughs> if So if you're an advanced athlete and you're carrying <laughs> potentially more body fat than you yeah. need to, yeah. don't try to do a big yeah. water weight. And cut. If you're under what, three, five years of this stuff, maybe just don't do any, like nothing. Absolutely. Yeah, stop I don't and chill think, out. I, don't, I think you should just <laughs> literally compete at whatever weight yeah. you're at yeah. and then have independent body composition goals based on health. Right. Um, or, or improving performance long-term. Getting chicks. Until you're at the point where you're considering trying to qualify for nationals, qualify for worlds, set a record, et cetera. Yeah. Because there's, there's literally no point to it. I'm even torn on some of that, you know, as a coach, I think, just because, like, one, and it's easy for me because I don't love the sport of powerlifting, just say, like, nah, those don't matter. You know, and I get it. Everyone's motivation is different. Um, but I just think you have to be at a very high level sure. because anyone can convince themselves exactly what you just said. If I drop 10 pounds, add five pounds to my bench, 10 to my deadlift, I'm 10th in nation nationals. Fuck it. Yeah. That's worth it. You know, like we got six ifs in there, but I'm sure it'll work out. But, but right, that's, yeah. that's way so, that's the most common thing ever. Like, yeah. oh, well, all right, five, five pound cut, water cut, uh, 10 pound diet, and yeah. five pounds on each lift in a year. Yeah, dude, I'm, I'm third. Yeah. In Watch out, Bryce Lewis. In general, <laughs> I, I just think that's, that's a, like a bad way to think about yeah. it. Yeah. Like uh, most people, let, let's assume, which is not a fair assumption, <laughs> that, that you're at a, a healthy range body fat percentage, yeah. which is actually a pretty big broad range and it's different for the individual. True. That means there's probably a weight class you could cut to without a whole lot of effort. There's probably a weight class you could bulk up to where you're not necessarily like at an attractive body fat percentage, which is not unhealthy. Um, maybe you're not, not like being comfortable there. Um, it was hard to tie my shoes at 2.30. There you go. Um, but it may or may not result in better performance. Um, and for the individual, they will find either there is or is not a positive benefit. And there might be a short-term, but not a long-term benefit. Like I can cut down to here, and I do that cyclically for my comps, but it means that my training's harder, I don't recover as well. Is that worth it? Well, are you an intermediate? No. Yeah. Are you advanced? It might be. Right. Because that means each year you get to represent your country at Worlds. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? So it's, it's that kind of decision is for the, the who. Uh, it also depends on do you have a healthy relationship with food. Right. Because I've seen plenty of powerlifters who just the only option for them is, okay, I can't cut weight anymore or, I, or the sport becomes unhealthy. Kind of going back to that, as I think a few months back when we talked about yeah. the bodybuilding one. Um, so you have to think about your, long, your, your, your longitudinal relationship yeah. with the sport, which I think is a great point. And then, so we talked about when you might do it, for who. I think I just made up the rest. Well, no. <laughs> and we talked about why. Yeah. Why it might be appropriate yeah. for a strength athlete. I can't really speak to yeah. uh, fighters. I just I don't work with fighters. Yeah, but like some of the rules just, and I don't either, but uh, some of the rules just logically seem like they should be similar. Um, right, if you're yeah. first MMA fight, why are you cutting 20 pounds? Uh, you know, like if you're about to fight McGregor for a belt, yeah, you got to do what you got to do. Like some of it just makes sense. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I, I wouldn't mind getting punched by someone who's 20 pounds lighter than someone else. So I would just cut weight until the smallest fist. And they, I think <laughs> UFC now, I think they do do 24 hour. They do do. Yeah, they do. So do. don't use laxatives. That's one thing we want to stay away from. Why? Yeah. That'll help. Is doo doo. We don't want to do the What's doo-doo. the other one? Yeah, what about some of the stuff that to cut weight? Yeah, so there's various degrees of, of, of ways to cut weight as well uh, that, that'll affect you differently. Yeah. So the more stressful the process, uh, the more likely it is to affect your performance. Uh, the Regardless big, of that percentage or no? I would say it's independent. Yeah. So like if you lost 5% completely from heat stress, yeah. 
that would be more stressful than losing 5% from, say... Just cutting water. No, no. Like, like for example, losing gut contents. Like, if you went on a low-residue diet that is high energy density, so you're eating mostly, like, chocolate and candy, yeah. you're getting a lot of calories for a little bit of food, and there's not a lot of fiber to slow it down, you might lose 2% of your body weight of, of nothing. There's no water loss. There's no dehydration effect. You just have less weight in your colon. This just in, before powerlifting, you just pound the chocolate. Poop it out. You'll make there weight. You go. Don't even do a water cut. Absolutely. That's right. when they make X-Lex chocolate, right? Or sugar-free gummy bears. You get both. You get the whole effects. You get the malitol, which we talked about months ago. <laughs> Might kick, not be fair. Yeah. Well, no. <laughs> no, it is. For everyone else. <laughs> so there's a number of ways to cut weight, and they all have different uh, levels of negative effects. Yeah. So I would say the ones that are the least negatively likely to affect you would be cutting out the contents of your gut uh, and still keeping your calories high. So you're not changing macronutrients. So you're not going keto or having mm-hmm. to switch fuels. You're not cutting calories and having a calorie deficit affect you. Uh, you're literally just changing foods to things that are more energy dense. So the weight in your gut is less and having low fiber choices. Yeah, I was going to say less fiber, yeah. And you lose, it's, 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 but it's also the weight of the food, right? So if you think about it, you can eat a pound of cucumbers and it's like 100 calories. But if you eat a pound of chocolate, it's way more calories. But the amount you weigh on the scale will be the same. So you can actually, short term. So it's the exact opposite of what you'd want to do for for cutting body fat, but it might be what you do acutely yeah. to get on the platform. Yeah. So that that that's 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 the that one it just won't affect you. The only thing that will affect you is you're eating vastly different foods than you're used to and you get gastrointestinal issues. Mm. Inflammation. No. Uh, just <laughs> this, gastrointestinal issues. This, this just in the ultimate protocol for making weight, DNP and donuts. DNP and donuts. I could see that be a new company. Hey. Yeah, caffeine and kilos. Just, yeah, yeah, yeah. DNP and donuts. <laughs> yeah, it's a little more on the enhanced side. I think. <laughs> oh no, it would. It would. What's sad? It's, kill. I bet, yeah, kill. I bet a, a brand like that in this modern fitness industry, there would be a niche. You get a ton be... of people who never take DNP and rarely eat donuts, wearing that just yeah, just repping laughs. It. Yeah. And, and a lot of people are like, whatever. <laughs> DNP does isn't like a fertilizer or something, isn't it? Like. I don't actually remember. I think it's a pesticide. Pesticide. Okay. Yeah. I, I, I was. Who I, was the first person that thought I'm gonna try this? <laughs> well, I was thinking Killed about the ants. So I'm gonna eat it. Those those, those locusts are shredded. <laughs> exactly. I was yeah. thinking about this in terms of uh, Stranger Things, which not everybody has seen season oh, yeah. three. I have. Yeah. There is a spoiler component. Spoiler alert. There's a really. component of spoiler. eating bad chemicals. Yeah. In it's it. not that big of a spoiler. Yeah. Okay. Something in the water does not compute. Prince, go on. <laughs> um. So, uh, getting so, rid yeah. of the guts. So we're level two. Yeah, another one that is very innocuous is just simply delaying the time when you would normally eat or cutting food off a little earlier or later. Mm-hmm. Like people think fasting and they go, oh, that's really bad. That sounds crazy. Like, you know, if people fast for Ramadan or like that's, that's hardcore. But remember that you sleep eight hours and you don't typically wait, wake up immediately like smash food in your face. <laughs> and well. also you don't smash <laughs> food in your eh, – okay. So we have some eating disorders here. <laughs> and you don't typically eat right when you go to bed. So like a very normal <laughs> thing is <laughs> – so, so let's pretend we have a, norm, a normal relationship with food. We don't. The whole world's fucked. Let's just pretend. You have dinner at six and you decide to have a bowl of ice cream at eight. And that's totally fine. It's a reasonable portion size. We're going to pretend. We're pretending. And then We're pretending. Okay. scoop number two comes at no, 10. No, scoop no. number three comes pretend. at 1230. Go back to the Waldorf school. School. Waldor school of pretend. Yeah. Pretend with me so we finish this podcast on time. <laughs> so, and, no, but I don't do that. I got it. So let's say you have one scoop of ice cream at 8 p.m. But then you go to bed two hours later. True. Then you wake up at 8 a.m. Eat at 9.30. You get on Instagram, you screw around a little bit. Yeah, you eat at 9.30. How long did you go without food? 
Long time. Like 13 hours, Can't right? Can't do that mm. math. <laughs> so what, what I typically make is like kind of the most extended it would normally be is I give someone like 14 to 16 hour fast, typically 14 just to be conservative. So if your weigh-ins are at 8 a.m., you go, oh, okay, I have my last meal and don't eat anything or drink anything because you're not drinking while you're asleep mm. typically, is it 6 p.m.? Yeah. Mm. That's very innocuous as well. And you will lose a solid 1% to 2% of your body weight from night to morning. So that means you can leverage simply respiration, right? Absolutely. So here's the thing: people think, "Oh, whatever I go to bed at is what I'm going to wake up at," because I'm not peeing. No, like you, we lose moisture in the air. Sure, heat, all that little. Do you know here. why you actually struggle with water retention after a flight? Huh? It's because the cabin's pressurized, Pressure. but it doesn't have any humidity, so it, it draws water out of you. That happens to a slight degree because it's just a pressure differential, right? So when you breathe, the moisture in your lungs is hydrating, the, is, is moisturizing the air that you breathe out, and you're slowly losing weight from water, from breathing. Mm -hmm. So just in an eight-hour period, you're going to lose a little bit of weight overnight. Um, and if you also get up and pee, et cetera, you're going to lose even more. Your morning bowel evacuation, boom, you're losing a fair amount of weight. So you know that by the time you go to bed, you're probably going to wake up at least 1% lighter. So what you can do is just get yourself to the point when you're 1% over your weight class at the time of going to bed, and you will reliably be probably even lighter than that. But that's almost a for sure. So if you do the combination of the low-residue, low-fiber, high-energy-density diet, and then you also just do a 14-hour fast until you get on the platform or you, you weigh in, this doesn't work well for certain weight classes where you're always in the afternoon because then you can't really do it. You kind of have to do it midday, and that sucks because then you're mm -hmm. conscious of being restricted. But for those who do, do have a morning weigh-in, yeah. which is most amateur competitors because there's not like a five-day meet like Worlds, you can combine those two things, and you can lose like 2 to 4% of your body weight alone without ever stepping in the sauna yeah, or, yeah. or cutting your water. Now, the next category would be water restriction or water cutting strategies. And those are more stressful because now we're talking about dehydration. But there's many paths to roam here with dehydration. So, for example, spitting in a cup for a long time like wrestlers do, mm -hmm. not that stressful compared to cycling in a sauna. Right. Or with a diuretic. Exactly. Yeah. Right. So uh, laxatives, for example, uh, they can be gentle or hardcore, prescription. You can take them at the wrong time and be on the platform trying to crap yourself. You have to think about that. So I'd say the, the, the least kind of stressful water process would probably be water loading, uh, which has actually been some research on now. It enhances the amount you lose by about 1%. So basically you load water for a period of time. So let's say you are weighing in on Friday. Sorry, let's say you're weighing in Saturday morning and you load, wa you load water uh, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday at say three or four times your normal amount, then you go to half or a quarter of your normal amount on Friday, you'll lose a little more water than if you'd just gone down and nothing else. So yeah, you're cutting water, there's yeah. dehydration, but there's no heat stress. Yep. And it's a more efficient process because you've increased your output relative to input just from manipulating kind of the hormonal status of your, your water balance. Heat stress, uh, is there any uh, info uh, dry versus wet? I know you lose more on one, but is there any... Uh I don't, stress, you know? I don't feel confident in saying that there is data on that. If you had somebody like Reed Real over at AIS, who's the main researcher here, or my student Kedrick Kwan, he might be able to tell you the intricacies of it. But I would, as a broader, Similar enough. As a broader thing, yeah. I would say um, non-heat stress-related water loss, passive like just restriction and yeah. water loading is going to be less stressful than actually having an environmental stress plus dehydration. Sure, sure. So I would say down the hierarchy is 14-hour fast and low-residue diet. Uh, water loading and water restriction because they, they go together. Yeah. And then if you still need to, A, you, that's probably more than 5% than I'd ever recommended cutting, so you shouldn't have to. But if you absolutely have to and you've reliably done it before and you can perform and you know how to rehydrate well, 
then then you could get in a sauna or do some type of, of heat-related water loss. Uh, sodium uh, factors in these? Yeah. So if you drop sodium acutely, it'll typically have a little bit of a drop. Uh, and if you go to uh, different foods, be, be aware that you probably want to at least keep your sodium the same or slightly lower on like the final day. That's another way to, to relatively passively cut water uh, and increase your urinary output. But I wouldn't have massive swings in it. No. So rehydration, how would you do that? Yeah. So real quick before I get to rehydration, another one that a lot of competitors do is they go low carb yeah. and you will lose water weight from that. Right. But there are cognitive effects of going low carb. So I would put that probably just above heat stress. Like there's nothing wrong with going lower carb. Yeah. But I wouldn't go keto just in your last week. I was going to say, does the cognitive effects uh, more individually dependent? Very individual. Because yeah. Yeah. if you already know you're okay with it, maybe it is okay strategy. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Or, but if you're already low carb, like, yeah. what are you going to do? Yeah. So what I typically Lower do carb. Is, is keep it isocaloric and just do a carb taper. So mm-hmm. I'll drop uh, 45 grams of carbohydrate, it's 180 calories, and increase 20 grams of fat for five days, but not go below one gram, uh, say, per kg, or about two grams per pound of, of carbs. If someone is not keto, if they're already keto, doesn't matter, right? Because you're not doing that because you're already keto uh, or low carb. So that way, you we're not going ketogenic. We're not asking you to totally switch fuels. Yeah, yeah. It's not a huge change, but we might get a little extra percent. And I'll do all that before I ever have to do heat stress. Yeah, yeah. And if I have to do heat stress, it means they should have dieted beforehand or they shouldn't be cutting. And then your question was rehydration, yeah. which is everything. Because if you don't rehydrate, you're not going to perform well. Sure. And that means you're going to immediately have to get off the scale. And ideally, you get access to the comp scale beforehand. You know exactly how much you're over. And you drink some fluids to get yourself to being like 10 grams under. And you ride that. Keep getting access to the the official scale. Stay stay as hydrated as you can. And then once you immediately step off the scale, we're talking have half a liter to a liter, depending on your body size and how much you can take. With I typically do a 50-50 blend of Gatorade and water because I don't want too much carbohydrate to slow it down. And I add like a teaspoon of salt because I do want more sodium, which has probably been lost. Yeah. And that's the first thing. And as soon as you're actually able to physically feel like you can eat, start grazing on easy-to-eat, high-energy-dense foods uh, that have a little bit of sweetness, things you like but that you've had previously. Yeah, yeah. So salty and sweet foods that you like, you can graze on. But don't eat like like you've, been, like you've been eating super clean and cutting weight and all of a sudden you just eat chips and gummy bears all day. You're going to have a really – difficult time mm. performing and these are two hours some of the rules may yeah this is very all 24. two hour yeah. yeah and another thing i would say is if this is one of the few times you've, you've you've done this and even if you've had a good training block i would probably if you've cut more than say three percent i would drop your opener a little bit yeah if it's your first time yeah, yeah there's nothing wrong like just just make sure the jump from your opener on squats to your second attempt isn't something that would throw you off even more than the potential weight cut because if you don't know what to predict yeah you can always smoke an easy opener yeah, yeah, and then you've got another sometimes ten, fifteen minutes uh, of, of full digestion time. Maybe less if it's a short class, but enough time to then be like, "Oh, I'm a little more rehydrated. I've had a few more attempts at grazing." And then my second attempt is going to go better than I expect. And then typically by bench, you're you're rock yeah. solid. Yeah, boom. There goes it. There's a full man. That's that's a whole episode. I there feel right there because it's about thirty minutes. Yeah, beautiful, yeah. beautiful. Um, Appreciate you boys as always. I'm here for you. Uh, hit us where people can find you. If you want to learn more about this, I actually have an extensive chapter in my book, The Muscle and Strength Pyramid uh, for Nutrition, where I go over all the stuff with all the citations and some of the things that I wasn't confident in saying. I looked up yeah, yeah, and I'm confident sure. in text, which is like faking it. That's like that's like a freestyle versus Chico. actual verse, yeah. you know, in, in the hip hop world. That's an open book test. <laughs> exactly. I'm cheating. I'm cheating. If you read my book, you can see Eric Helms cheat. <laughs> 
So that's muscleandstrengthpyramids.com, uh, or you can check out all kinds of our powerlifting and bodybuilding-specific information at 3dmusclejourney.com, or for daily content, you can follow me at Helms3DMJ on Instagram. Wow, he's got that one nailed. And if you're looking for a reason to wake up on Mondays, Mondays uh, suck. Iron Culture Podcast. Mondays suck no more. You've heard mm-hmm. the Bengals song, Manic Monday, which actually was, interestingly enough, written by Prince. I could throw in a course, Prince reference yep. on every single podcast episode. <laughs> Uh, Iron Culture Podcast is here for you. We are G-I-M. Mm-hmm. We are uh, taking a historical, cultural, social, and scientific look at the lifting community. We are iron enthusiasts that try and explore every single aspect. We have found that in the last while, maybe the last half century, um, the iron community has become too fractured. So trying to explore uh, why we lift, um, the the different communities that lift and then also provide a little bit of science. So available every single Monday on Spotify, iTunes, and YouTube. Exploring the meaning of lift. Whoa. He's been really trying to make that happen. And uh, the you don't one think person, it is? So quick aside, uh, Eric at his show, uh, proselytizing like the beautiful soul that he is, every single person that was like, hey, Eric, like, nice to see I'm you. I'm an iron enough. missionary. He said, yeah, he said... Hello, brother. Have you, have you, yeah, I'm not even going to make that joke, but yeah, I was going to say something about the cross, but um, every single person uh, goes up and uh, says, hey, we have a new podcast, Iron Culture Podcast, right? It's like, oh, fantastic. The one person that was like, oh, I'll check it out. And then he dropped the line, or I dropped the line, actually. I said, yeah, it's, uh, you know, the, uh, finding uh, the meaning of lift. And he just looked at me. <laughs> <laughs> you used his line in a And he was aware. Well, but you oh, used it, it was, works. To be God. fair, it was originally my line that I pitched to him as our tagline. He was like, that's terrible. Yeah. <laughs> so I just wanted to test it And then it I out. was like, yeah, that's a good test. Let's get double down. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, we going all the way yeah. in. And then he just gave, you know, Derek Khan the headlights. And that ain't pl- it, player. Like, we just did some marketing research. So That happens. Yep. Yeah. Appreciate you guys for listening. Appreciate you guys for coming on the show. Uh, ratings, review, iTunes, everywhere else. Appreciate you. I'm Silent Mike. I said appreciate you five times. Silent Mike, two Ks. I appreciate you. Doo-doo. Bye-bye. Yeah. <laughs> His new uh, handle is going to be appreciate you, Mike. Appreciation. Uh, appreciation, mm. Mike. I am at DJ McD on all the social medias. Follow the show on Instagram and Twitter. We are 50% facts. Where percent is a word. We'll talk to you next time.